2: Welcome to Spider Scoop Podcast, episode 22. As always, I'm your host, Noah Goldberg with ESPN Richmond. I'm joined by my co-host. He's a struggling Charlotte Hornets fan. Just gave us Boston Celtics the trade exception. Thank you for that, uh, Michael Jordan. But more importantly, we all know, writes about the Spider trade. 10 talk, and that's Austin Daisy. Also, fun announcement you guys might have seen last week, Nick Sherrod helped us out. Nick is back today. He's going to be filling in as a kind of a third co-host for us throughout this season. Um, So super, super happy to have him. Two awesome guests on today. As you all know, we joined the Believe Podcast Network uh, the other week. Shout out Josh and Alex. Uh, So today we've got on Vinny Hardy and UK legend Tony Delk. They host Believe in Kentucky for the Believe Podcast Network. Tony, Vinny, how are we doing guys? Fresh off that game. What's going on, man? How y'all doing?
0: you know we 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 here we (laughs) it was a tough loss richmond did their thing but we appreciate y'all having us on with y'all on on the spider scoop podcast this afternoon
3: it's always a good game you know when you get a chance to watch kentucky play early i don't think um you know uh kentucky fan and big blue nation uh we wasn't expected for you know us to go undefeated but you know you got to give credit to as vinnie said a really good season uh Richmond team that came in and played extremely well. Um, you know, big ups to them. I know they do they're gonna do well in the A ten, which is gonna be a tough conference this year. You know, uh if they are solid and like say stay healthy, no one gets hurt. I think they're a team that's gonna be can make a little noise in the NCAA tournament this year.
2: No doubt, no doubt. So obviously like we said, gotta break down uh gotta break down this upset and you know, I think you guys know, you know, maybe a casual fan, you know, Bleacher Report's going to tweet it out and it's going to be Richmond upsets number 10, Kentucky, you know, first win I think ever on the road against a top 10 opponent. But, you know, realistically for us, you guys, Kentucky analysts, we follow it, right? Even, the, you know, Richmond, 40 votes in the AP preseason, top 25 poll, the most of any team in the Atlantic 10. And then when you just look at this as a matchup, right, you know, it's experience versus a young team, weird offseason, shortened off season this is probably when experience is more important than it's ever been. So for us coming in, you know, we didn't probably expect a 12-point win, but everyone knew this was going to be a close game. People probably saw an eight-point spread and said, I don't know about that. Plus eight looks kind of good. Um, What do you guys – maybe, Tony, we can start with you and Vinny if you want to follow up. Um, You know, obviously we knew experience was going to be in a factor, um, but, but when you watch that first half, right, you know, Richmond and Nick and I were texting back and forth about this, right? For like kind of the first 10 minutes there. I thought Richmond looked pretty composed. I thought they got the shots they wanted to get. They ran their plays and shots just didn't fall. And then it was after that, that it felt like they got antsy for shots and felt like they were trying to make up for it, which is not something you expect out of an experienced team. We obviously saw that flip. It changes at the half. They get their shots. They get it composed. What did you see change and how did you see experience really affect this game?
3: Well, I think what was key, like I said, the first half was that they were getting all the shots that they wanted. Like I said, Gilead and uh, Francis just wasn't knocking those shots down. You know, it wasn't like they were taking uncontested, uh, out-of-control shots. Those guys were getting really good shots. I knew it at some point in time that, you know, you have four seniors on the court, um, that experience is going to kick in. You know, and I had a a chance to be on Coach Cal's staff when he first got there. And, you know, our young teams are not really good early. So when you face them February, and March, you see a whole different Kentucky team because now you got, you have guys that are bought into a system, you know, guys that, you know, understand who they are as an individual. And two games in, you know, like I tell people, I say, championships are not won in November, December. So I don't care how well a team plays right now. You need to be playing your best and you don't want to peak too soon. So Cal team traditionally gets better around February and March. So even though they lost, I'm not really that overly concerned. Uh, We've seen them lose early and, you know, right around uh, SEC tournament time and going into Mars Madness, you know, Kentucky's clicking. And you'll see these guys get better and improve. And, you know, it's great for them to go against a a really good, talented team and and experience And When you have young players, if young players aren't disciplined, especially as a team that runs semblance of the uh, the Princeton offense, you know, you will get beat on backdoor cuts. Uh, You have to be ready to play defense for, you know, throughout the shot clock. And young players, you know, and I was one of those young players, you know, I really wasn't engaged as much as I should have been by the time I became a senior. So, we got a, you know, we got a chance to really see how these guys will perform, um, you know, early as well as make a decision later. Then they have to find who would be their go-to guy, who they can throw the ball to, who can get, who can score for them um, on the inside. But for me, it was just too many turnovers, which I'm not surprised. And then we have to find someone who can knock a shot down from outside. You
0: know. For me it was you know they were they were kind of filling each other out in the first half, you know back and forth, lead change hands countless amounts of times. Um, four point game at the half, you know Richmond could probably say, well, you know we, we feel good just be down four with all of the good looks we missed and, and so on and so forth. Kentucky gets up 36 to 30 and I feel at that point they're kind of starting to separate a little bit you know they here we, it's, it's been a struggle, but we're finally, Getting a little bit of breathing room and boom, 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 Richmond hits him with a 6-0 run. The save to throw it in ahead to uh, for the run out is 36-36 in a blink. Richmond goes up 39-36. Next thing you know, it's a 9-0 run. It didn't KO Kentucky, but in a boxing match, it was like bam, bam, bam. They got tagged with some shots. And it's like, oh, we we're gonna be in a, a fight for the rest of these 12 rounds. That was the turning point in the game. If Kentucky goes ahead and separates, gets up eight or nine when they're up six, I think it's a different game. Like Richmond might have made a run and still done the same thing later. But when they erased that six oh lead that quick and then were up three, that changed the whole tone of the, the game the rest of the way for me.
3: Speaking of KO, <laughs> there was a nice KO last night, but we won't get into that. Uh but no no K the uh KO played extremely well. You know you have to go to how he was able to, you know, finish around the basket and just his experience, you know, you can tell a guy that that was definitely ready for the game, you know, and that's something that that young players sometimes they look at the name, uh, they don't they don't see the name on the back of the jersey, you know, they look at okay, it's Richmond, and you know, who knows about Richmond? So it's like you have to respect every opponent you play against, and that's something I don't think young players really really understand. You know, I understood it, you know, because I was there for four years and I know on any given, you know, any given night, whether it's mid-major, it doesn't matter the the talent level, is that when you put four grown men on the court going against 18, 19-year-old old kids, is that those four, those five men can win. You know, those five men are very capable. So it would be a wake-up call to them going forward when they see teams, um, you know, on their schedule. But it's, it's so hard because the younger generation don't really understand that. You know, it's like, okay, well, it's like an AAU game. Oh, we're going to play someone else next. So who's the next opponent? But you have to respect the guys that you're going to play against, especially when those guys are grown men.
2: Yeah, definitely. Nick, can you speak a little a little bit on that, you know, obviously you're coming from a mid-major program. You weren't the, the five-star crew to Kentucky, but like you said, you know, you started 16 games your freshman year, and you were on a really good team. That was a team with TJ Klein and Chandrae Jones, um, a team that was, you know, had been, you know, expected to at least contend, maybe win the A-10, come up short, fall, get in the NIT. But that was a team that was really working at March Madness, strong team. And, and you remember being in those spots, you know, how much, how easy can it be to, to kind of come in there as a freshman, you're a good player, and, and just forget, like, these older guys, they know what they're doing, and especially from Kentucky's perspective, right? Tony, you mentioned it's a right? This is probably the most difficult um, style of offense for a guy that's basically seen no college basketball to jump in after almost no offseason and try to figure out.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think Tony touched on it a lot. As a freshman, you kind of really don't know what to expect. Um, everybody is just you – know, you kind of think that you're as good as everybody else and just because somebody might be older than you it's not going to make much of a difference. And then you get on the court. These guys are all big and strong. They've been in the weight room for four years. They've been in practice, at the college practice for four years. And you learn that fast. It comes at you fast. And I think, you know, for Richmond, for us, all of our starters are over 20. Our first two couple guys are on the bench. Like, everybody's old. Like, Nate's 23, Grant's 22. Everybody's old. Everybody's been in the weight room for a long time. Everybody's been in the program for a long time. And I think if we're a young team coming in here, I think that one thing you learn as you get older is that, like, I don't think we felt like we had anything to prove to Kentucky. You know, I think when you're a freshman, you feel like you have to every time you go on the court, you're trying to prove something to somebody. Whereas a senior, you go out there, this is just another game. You realize these 18-year-olds at Kentucky aren't really thinking about you guys, so you might as well go out and just go out there and play free and play loose. And I think that at the beginning of the game and during this first half when we were missing shots, I think we kind of felt the pressure. I think that once the game moved on, like like uh, Vinny said, once we got on that little run to, to tie it when we were down six, we felt like we could make that run and come back in the game. I knew that the guys were going to c- kind of calm down, and we took their best punch and we threw them back that's what it's all about sometimes
3: I think I think Nick said it best you know when you know when you come into 18 like you really think you're strong you think your game is tight and your game is good man and you get slapped in the face and I, and I, I can remember that first day of practice I'm like man who's, who was this guy named Dale Brown you know I don't know anything about him so I'm, I'm this I'm this guy coming to all these accolades so I'm like man I'm about to destroy this dude man hey I was I, I set the bench a lot of my freshman season people don't remember that they remember me make the nba win a championship but my first year uh that uh that senior job was to keep me on the bench and i think that's what the young players at kentucky they're getting the chance to play you know most guys come in you know when i came in back in the 90s you really had to beat someone out you know and it wasn't about okay man you know who you were what you did it was about how can you compete against someone and as nick stated you know you have grown men that you know those guys you know, they've been playing the game longer than those – than the Kentucky players. And, you know, you have to respect what they've done because they've learned the game. And when you've been in a system, you know your system, you know your personnel. And Kentucky, you know, with them not having, you know, an exhibition season and a preseason, those guys still don't know each other. You know, you got a bunch of – just just imagine putting five freshmen on the court and say, hey, go out there and ball. You know, you're going to look good at times, but then there, when you go against a seasoned team, like Richmond, they're going to expose all your weaknesses. And, that, and that's the one thing I give them credit for and, and well-coached, but also just guys that were patient. They were poised in the second half. And you start seeing Kentucky, you know, once they got down, you know, you know, you, you start seeing some ill advised shots, some some guys that wasn't used to being, you know, behind. And now you playing – you are trailing these guys. So, once again, you know, they'll take something from this game. Coach Cal will, you know, get it back in the uh, – in the video room and he'll kind of break it down to what they need to do. And then, you know, those guys really have to come back and uh, be more disciplined, but also cut down on the turnovers, which is expected from a young team.
0: Can I jump in and just ask Nick a quick question? No.
2: Austin, what did you see defensively? Maybe I'll go for Vinny. I
0: was, was going to ask. My
2: connection's lagging. I can't hear.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to ask Noah and Austin, but now the fact that the man himself is here, I'll ask him as well. I know it's a, a small sample size with, you know, you guys only played two games and, you know, everybody knew Richmond was going to be good and then you were injured. What do you see Richmond doing or kind of compensating for your loss on on offense? Who are they kind of sliding in or using in to fill your spot? I know it's just two games, but I was, what have they done to kind of adjust – for, for not having you this season in the way that they approach uh, opposing teams? Yeah, I think
1: the biggest thing is that uh, Nate, Nate Kayo, uh, he's taking a big jump already. Obviously, it's been two games, but uh, last year, he kind of slid to a little bit different role than he was. People forget his sophomore year, he took the biggest leap in the conference in points per game. So he's obviously a really talented player. And playing with him all summer, you know, he, he got a lot stronger, he got a lot more physical. So I knew he was going to make a jump. And I just think that there's more points to be had, there's more rebounds to be had, and he came out there the first two games of the season, and he's been more aggressive than I've ever seen him play. So I think that that's going to be a big deal. And then uh, Tyler Burton, he had a couple of lifts, and the, the big three to put us up three uh, early in the game or in the second half. I think he's going to make a big jump, too. I think for, uh, like Tony said, when you get into, when you start playing a lot of minutes, it all comes at you fast. So I think Tyler's going to get a lot better as the season goes on. Um, I think he's still kind of feeling things out. But for him to come in there and get rebounds and play hard and make a big three, and then he took a couple of charges, that was huge. So I think the guys, they kind of are just filling it in. Um, game by game, but they're doing a good job so far.
2: Yeah, Tony, I'd, I'd be interested to hear from you as as a guy that's obviously you know played at a program like UK and obviously went to the NBA. Like you, you know what it's like to be around hype and things like that. Tyler Burton is you know, and maybe he's not you know near the most impactful starter of the group, but he is right. unique for a school like Richmond in that he's a young player that is just uber athletic, uber bouncy, and when you just look at the style. He, you know, he may be the, the the top pro prospect on this team and it is a guy that they haven't had like that in a while. just when He just got a big W against Kentucky. You know, he's a high flyer. You know, when you think about that, and there were tweets on it actually, a couple people, um, a couple like national media members, maybe I don't watch as much, but someone like asked, like, is is Tyler going to be a first-round pick next year? And I think we know in Richmond, Tyler Burton's probably not going to be a first-round no. NBA pick. But he is a guy that's getting, getting looks. So what is your advice to a guy like that when – there's stuff floating out there on on social media about stuff like that. How do you ground a player like that when he's, you know, surrounded by older guys as well?
3: I, I think you just got to really just, you know, go out and play your game. And, you know, what's so different now is you can get caught up in what social media is saying and what you're hearing. And I think when you have an experienced coach and, and with experienced players, you know, those guys will keep you humble. I think at the end of the day, you know, you want to go out and be a solid player on both sides of the ball and understand what your strengths are and not really get caught up in it being an individual game because, once again, it's a team game. And when they look good, they look good because they were uh, really good ball moving. You know, those guys were able to, you know, set you screens. They understood what they did well. And you didn't see any selfishness from Richmond. Richmond was a team that, you know, I enjoy watching. You know, like, I, I love watching teams that have experienced players on the court. You know, it's like too many young players. It goes back to AAU. Though, those guys can sometime go to, oh, you know what? I want to go into one-on-one matchup. You know, i want going to take this kind of shot right here. It's about me. What am I going to do? How am I going to get to the next level? And, you know, players like Tyler, they, they don't have hidden agendas, though. Those guys are going to go out and whatever the coach asks of them, that's what they're going to try to do. And I think that's the most important thing for most mid-major players uh, that are coming back and going to be the leading scorer or the top player in the conference is Just stay focused play your game and when you go you step on the court you know just perform at the highest level you know and I think that's the one thing that I like and enjoy about when I watch younger actually you know seasoned vet plays that those guys know how to play basketball and you can't really teach experience and that's that's where Kentucky will get better at you know those guys like BJ Boston um Devin you know there's so many good players on that team but also those guys haven't played against college men there's a difference between between playing against college men and high school boys and you know Nick will to that and you know just being one of those guys I know Nick got a chance to see them you know in practice and he he knows exactly what his team is made of and how well they're going to do in the conference and the key to mid-majors team is it's all about matchups once you get to the NCAA tournament
1: uh, can I jump in real quick? Um, for you guys, you talk a little bit about inexperience. Uh, Kentucky only had five assists. They're zero in the second half. Um, what do you guys kind of attribute that to, the fact that, you know, the guys didn't really share the ball as much? Or is that just, again, lack of experience? Or how do you kind of, uh, what do you see as the reason that happened? And then, like, how would you address that in practice?
3: I'll touch with that first, Vin, and then you can come in. A, a lot of that, Nick, will be just, uh, you know, now you have to become decision makers, you know. and And, and it's tough when, Someone is always giving you the ball. You know, and you've always been the guy that scored or you made to play. But when you get behind, now what Kentucky don't have is they don't have a go-to guy. And and that'll come in time. You know, we've seen uh several Kentucky teams where, you know, by the end of the year, there there's one guy that can throw the ball to, he can make a bucket. But your decision making, you need guys that know how to make passes, but also you have a true point guard. And I think that's where if Ashton Hagan had a comeback, you know, they would – that point guard position would have been solidified because now you have a guy that would have had three years of experience and he would have been able to get them some easier shots. So, to me, no one made the game easy for Kentucky the second half. And, and you know, just looking at no no assist the second half, there's a reason why. Because everybody thought, okay, I'm going to do it myself. I'll get us back in the game instead of someone saying, you know what, let me tra- let me get in this paint, get some floaters up, draw some defenses, kick the ball out, some guys make the shot. <laughs> No one, Nick, really made the game easy for Kentucky, and that's, that's one of the reasons why they struggled to score the second half.
0: And you, you talk about experience, uh, which nobody has experience actually playing for Kentucky this year except Keon Brooks, and he's out with an injury. The guys that have experience playing college basketball and our college men, Olivier Saar and Davion Mintz, Mintz might have been your best chance at getting some assists. As a point guard with some experience, even though the guys he's getting the rocks who don't have experience, he only played 10 minutes. you played 35, and I don't know if that's what that balance is going to be the rest of the year. I heard they've been going at it in practice, and it's been kind of even, but Askew played a lot of the minutes, and, and and Davion didn't get a lot of clock, so if maybe he gets in and gets a few dimes, maybe not, but that's your, your most experienced point guard only played 10 minutes. And some of that, I think
3: some of that's going to be also coaching. Like, you're trying to find the right lineups. Like, you know, it's not, going, it's not going to be perfect after game two. It's not like Richmond where they knew who their guys were. You know what I'm saying? Kentucky right now is still trying to find who's who's going to be the point guard. You know, so it's a guessing game in the beginning. But like I said earlier, by the time February rolls around going into March, you know, you'll see a, a totally different-looking Kentucky team. But – The first couple of games, you know, and then they, you know, they have a tough a tough schedule ahead of them too. So it's not like, you know, they go from Richmond to, you know, playing Eastern Kentucky, you know, they go right into another powerhouse game, which they have to be ready for. And trust me, they'll they'll be up for because, you know, unlike Richmond, they're seeing Kansas on the front of Jersey. So they'll get more excited, be amped up to play that game, but still, you know, you have to cut down the turnovers, you have to make free throws, and most importantly, as we talked about having someone that can make the game easier but also who who's going to be able to knock down shots from outside you know i thought that was uh one of the major problems was that you know what usually keeps a a game close and what usually stretches the game out is three-point shots three-point makes and kentucky didn't have any
4: speaking of three-point shooting do any of y'all know off the top of your head when was the last time kentucky went without hitting a three in a single game is that something y'all know
3: it, it just happened, like, maybe a year or two ago because there was a record. Kentucky had the record behind maybe Vanderbilt at UNLV uh, with the most consecutive threes made in games. And I know it ended, like, either last year or maybe two years ago that yeah. that streak was broken. So, mm-hmm. it happens.
0: Yep. In 30 years, 87 to 28, it's so like a 31-year streak or something they had a made three.
3: I know in my four years, we made a three every game. So... <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're sure, We're sure. We're so, so we
3: must have lost Noah here. No, no, you gotta get better connection, man. Where are you? Yeah. In, the, you're in the woods, man?
2: <laughs> Hell, I'm in a hotel right now. Let me let me let me, let me drop real. Quick.
3: You must be in a one star hotel, man. That, that's what happened, man. When you stay in uh, motel eight, man, you gotta stay in a better hotel.
2: This is. I'm right next to the the to. Robert you know this is the Hyatt Regency they got a tunnel to rough tell Calipari to figure it out <laughs> all right let me hold on let's try the hot spot here
0: is this your first time in Lexington Uh-oh.
2: <laughs> all right is that better or worse no yeah. it's really about the
3: same man you you might need to go check
2: at the new hotel <laughs> Dang. it's your first How time i so bad Come on,
3: awesome man! Hey, hey.
0: Yeah, pick him up. we will keep this up.
3: going. So, uh, so Nick, are you expected back this year, or did you get a uh, medical red shirt or what? What is uh, What's the outlook for you?
1: Uh, I'm not sure yet. I'm still considering everything. I'm out for the rest of this year, so just okay, gonna figure, just gonna figure it out from there.
3: Have you finished? Uh, have you gotten your degree yet?
1: Yeah, I'm in grad school now.
3: Good man, it's good to yeah. hear, it, man. Congratulations on that. Yeah.
4: Appreciate it. Thank you. Can you yeah. hear me now? Am I? Yeah, that was better.
3: Nick, you, you're a little bit better, man. Come on, I'm glad you
2: joined us. All again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so one, one thing I do, if y'all can hear me, one, one thing I did want to uh, kind of talk about is in that second half, it really felt like especially over the last ten minutes as things devolved for Kentucky. You know, Nick, you talked about no assists for Kentucky in that second half. And one thing I really saw in those last ten minutes is it felt like Kentucky had a really hard time moving the ball around to the top of the key, honestly. It felt like Richmond was really getting in the passing lanes. You know, Gilly obviously had a bunch of steals. Blake tipped a few balls out of bounds. Um, and one thing I think that made a difference for them too, particularly in that area, is having Andre Gustafson in this game. And I said to Austin before this podcast, I said, you know, Andre played 17 minutes in this game, and I didn't really feel like I thought about Andre much during the game, which which was a good thing. Because so it felt like defensively he was holding up. And, you know, that's a guy that, you know, as elite as Blake and Gilly are defensively, they're still, you know, six feet and under and Kentucky's got really tall, really elite guard, you know, talent. What did you guys see, whether it was out of Andre or particularly those just from Richmond's guards in the last 10 minutes of getting in those Kentucky passing lanes and just making it hard for them to, you know, get comfortable at all?
3: I I think it's important just to, um, you know, going back to a scouting report, you know, being able to read a scouting report, and understanding the second half as well as the first half and, and just being patient. I think when when you're looking at passing lanes and passing angles and just knowing where offense is going to be run, you know, it allows you to cheat a plate. And when you have young passers, young passers don't see the back line of the defense. You know, they just see, okay, I'm going to pass the ball to this guy, but they're not reading defenses. And that's the one thing that experienced players, you know, when I became, Uh, My junior, senior, like I really could read a lot of situations. You know that I wasn't accustomed to reading as a freshman because I really didn't have to. It was about being an athlete, and I was a better player than you. But once you start playing against other skilled players, you have to look for an edge, and that edge is especially against younger players is just reading their eyes. You know, so that's where I thought they did a better job the second half of just being paid uh, more poised and understanding, pick and choose where to go for a steal, but also play solid defense. And then you force a young and experienced team into making mistakes. Because I feel like if I'm older than you, is that you're going to make a mistake at some point in time. If I play solid defense, I do what the coach, what our scouting report tells us to do, is it's going to be on you to make a mistake. Because I'm not going to just gamble and you know give you a backdoor layup and give Kentucky a chance to show that length and athleticism Is that we're just going to play solid defense. And this young inexperienced team is gonna make a mistake. And that's what that's what we saw a lot of, you know, throughout the game.
0: And being a guy being a guy myself that's you know, not one of the taller guys in the world, I couldn't help but you know, watch Francis and and Gilead and those small guys handle business out there amongst the trees. The little guys go out there and get crafty, use angles. They were getting steals, using that low center of gravity. You got the charge on Boston on the wing when he was trying to back him down. You know, you hate to see Kentucky lose, but seeing small guys know how to play and, and, you know, take advantage of perceived mismatches and turn it in their favor, they did a lot of that tonight and and just used their craftiness and, and experience you know, the, the couple times they picked Star's pocket, you know, they hit him at the free throw line and dude came and got the deflection and, and he didn't even see it coming. Just little stuff like that. Just them being small but feisty. Uh, Devin Downey for South Carolina gave Kentucky fits years ago. You know, little guys like J.J. Frazier at Georgia. You know, I, I like seeing little guards that are able to do that. And Richmond's got some some guys that can do that same kind of thing.
2: nick so you know as a guy that's been in the locker room for and still been in the spot before you know what these guys are like tomorrow they're about to enter the top 25 for first time in about a decade now you know what is that what do you guys do moving forward if you get in the top 25 and he said as coach mooney says we just got to go out there and have a good practice tomorrow but but you know you know there's a little celebration but it is you know going to be back to business um, how do they move forward big game against west virginia is upcoming on the conference they've got a target on their
3: Noah, just text us your questions man so we can answer about on our phone okay
4: yeah, good luck good luck with that one
3: <laughs>
4: is it really that bad yeah it's breaking up a lot
3: hey hey we, we... But you know what,
1: we're going to make this happen. Nick, you got it, man. Um, Yeah, so I, th- I think I know basically what he was saying. So um, I think that the difference between this team and a regular team that was coming off a win like this is that a lot of these guys, like like we talked about earlier with a team at this level, a lot of this stuff is earned. So uh, this team, uh, my sophomore year, won 12 games. Next year they won another 12 games. So it's been a slow build and a slow process. So, like, I think that the biggest thing is that these guys know that as fast as this thing can, can go up, it can come down just as quickly. So I think the important thing is that, you know, we have a bunch of older guys and we know how hard every game is. I think that, you know, obviously this Kentucky game was huge and it was very important, but they go on the road to Charleston who's going to and that's just going to be a, just as hard as a game. So I think that when you, when you have gone through a bunch of losses and gone through a bunch of things and you play at this level all the time, like you, you respect every opponent. So I think that, you know, they're gonna, obviously you're going to enjoy the win. You're going to have fun. You're going to, you know, everybody's texting you you on social media, all that stuff. That's great. Tomorrow, they got to go practice and they got to go on the road to Charleston and take take care of business because you lose that game to Charleston, and what does this Kentucky win really mean? You know, you kind of just let all the air out of the balloon. So I think that the guys are ready. Obviously, we have a big schedule coming up, but you have to take it one game at a time. West Virginia is down the line. We got a game against Furman in between that. So I think that the most important thing and that one thing that you get as you get older is that obviously there are some games that are super important, but if you don't take care of what's right in front of you, then it's not going to matter as much as before.
4: All right, so Tony and Vinny, looking ahead, you've seen Richmond play. Obviously, y'all are aware of Kentucky. What are your projections and predictions for both of these teams heading throughout the season?
3: I like, I, I like, um, I like Richmond a ten. I think they're solid. You know, uh, watching St. Louis of night, St. Louis. You know, who beat LSU is another solid team in a ten. So it's a conference that I've always worried about. You know, if we were to face them, if anyone were to face them in the NCAA tournament you know, you was going to get a solid, a solid team that knew how to play basketball. So I don't think anyone in the last probably five to 10 years have disrespected the A-10. Solid conference, good players coming out to conference, uh, well coached, Um, you know, could be a sweet 16 team, you know, who knows, you know, right matchup, um, anything is possible. Kentucky, you know, they will get better. I'm I'm not really uh, caught up in where they're going to be, you know, maybe in February. I just know those guys will improve. They will get better. Uh, they have to find, you know, outside shooting, uh, decision-making will get better. Um, and Coach Cal will have those guys playing, you know, elite defense, you know, then we will, they'll have to find, you know, who will be their go-to guy. So I'm excited about, you know, when Mars Madness rolls around, hopefully we have a Mars Madness. You know, I pray that, you know, it's not taken away from us like it was, you know, this year. But, um, if it happens, you know, two teams that, you never know, they could face each other once again, uh, Kentucky has a, a tough road ahead of them, you know, with all these early uh, power five teams they're playing against, and it'll, it'll get them ready for conference play. But I'm really excited to see what Richmond is going to do in a 10 this year. You
0: know yeah, I thinking? think uh, Richmond's going to be – they're going to be solid. And, you know, Richmond's got a solid history. You know, they mentioned it on the broadcast. You know, that central northeastern Virginia area, you know, Richmond VCU, you know, the D.C. area, Virginia Tech, it's, it's a lot of good basketball that's always been played there through the years. I'm blanking on the team that Richmond beat back in the day in the tournament. Was it Arizona or somebody Richmond knocked off in the maybe 80s or 90s?
4: Maybe Auburn.
0: Um, it was a – Syracuse Vick. maybe. Yeah, Syracuse. Maybe Syracuse or somebody that was – I want to say late 80s, early 90s, Richmond knocked somebody off in the tournament – and y'all weren't even born, but I can't think of who it was. It was a big win for Richmond. So they got some tradition. They got some history. You know, coach Mooney's a good coach, so he's going to have them ready in the A-10. Uh, the wars with St. Louis, like Tony talked about, you know, come A-10 tournament time. Um, Kentucky's going to be right there uh, in the mix. You know, Tennessee's getting a lot of hype with Coach Barnes. If they can get healthy, they got a good chance to to make some noise in the conference. Um We'll, you know, we'll see what LSU is talking about is, and things of that nature. But it'll be you know, a, a fun season. It's going to be topsy turvy, you know, because if somebody gets the virus, then you're out. We've seen coaches get it before the season already started, so it's just going to be a, a, a slippery slope that everybody's trying to navigate to get to March Madness, May Madness, whenever it happens, however the season ends up. <laughs>
4: Yeah, all right, so we got Noah in a new way here. We got him on FaceTime. I'm holding up to the mic. Can
0: you all can y'all hear me through this?
4: Oh, my hand. Oh,
3: no. Hey, man. Hey, hey, you know what? Communicate. Hey, technology has come a long way from when from when I didn't have a cell phone back in 1992. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Nick, <laughs> Nick, I really don't think Nick would have survived back in the 90s, man, without <laughs> having technology, man. You know, hey, it was tough, really tough. But I tell you what he did was, it kept us focused. We didn't have any distractions. So I was training some guys last night, you know, so right, right after we get done training, you know, everybody goes and sit down, everybody's on their cell phone. I'm like, man, I don't know if I'm jealous or not, or it's just, maybe it's just a new time right now. I mean, that's what people do. We, we would actually go and sit down and talk and kind of communicate about you know, what, what what happened on the court, but now they're going checking on, okay, what's going on in the sport? Uh, how many followers do I have? So it, it's, it's a different generation that, you know, I'm accustomed to it. I've gotten used to it now, but it's so, it's so funny that, you know, we have Noah and we can get him on a, a different device here and uh, we can actually hear him clearly. Thank you, Noah.
2: Yeah, so to explain for the viewers right now, my connection is so bad that I'm in a hotel. I am currently FaceTiming Austin from my cell phone, who's holding me up to his microphone to go through to a Zoom that I'm hosting from my computer but cannot talk from just to give people context. So that's what we got going on right now. That's Tony, speaking so of technology, while we're on the subject, Nick and I, we're trying to get Nick to get on Twitter now that he's joining the podcast, because that's where we do the bulk of the work and, and push this content out. Um, I have to ask, if you were, you know, playing today, would you have
4: a burner account? <laughs> you
0: know what? It, it's funny you say
3: that, because when I first hopped on Twitter, you know, pe- people don't—people going to try you, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, a, a couple dudes tried me, and i I had to step back because i'm like dude you don't really know me like that you know what i'm saying i'm like (laughs) you know i'll give you my address we can meet somewhere and we can you know we can get we can get busy if you want to talk like that so i had to step away from it you know and kind of like nick you know once once you come into it you're going to have some people that are going to say some things that gonna be disrespectful and you know you're going to make your comments and you know there were some people where we just went back and forth you know he had one guy had an opinion i had another opinion and by the end of us communicating, you know, we both, we both just walked away from, you know, hey, I respect you, I respect your, your opinion and my opinion. And at the end of the day, I mean, that's where it's at. But yeah, you have some people uh, that come on Twitter, Instagram, that they want to try. You know, they want to, you know, they they feeling real bold because you can hide behind some of this social media stuff. You know what I'm saying? But you know, as I told them, I'm like, dude, I'm not, I'm not that dude to be hiding behind social media. You know, at the end of the day, you know, that's how I get down. So. I be telling Vinny, I'm like, you know, hey, we have our we have our listeners, but I really don't follow it to the point where I'm worried about what everyone is saying. Everybody got an opinion, you know. We have our opinion about about this game and uh other people won't have their opinions. So that's how we got to take it and you don't take it personal when someone makes a comment that you might not like.
0: Nick like Charles Barkley, he's the only one in on Twitter in here. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah. It, hey Nick, hey, it, it saves your headache, brother. It saves your headache, man. It can get distracted.
0: That's
1: what I'm learning. That's what <laughs> I'm
0: learning.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> no doubt. All right, guys, I think uh, I think we'll wrap it up here. Finish out. Um, you know, may, maybe last thoughts, final thoughts. If we got any hot takes on? Uh, I guess we'll start Austin. Let's go with the Richmond side. We'll go Austin Nick for Richmond, and we'll finish up with uh, Vinny and Tony. Austin, biggest two takeaways from this game. Was things you have seen going forward. How does the Richmond's, you know, season trajectory change at this point with, that,
4: with this one? Uh, you know, nothing against Kentucky whatsoever. You know, they're the University of Kentucky. They are college basketball. Coming into this game, me and you have been saying it. We've been talking about this game for a while. I've never been more confident in a team to go into a tough environment and win a game. And once Coach Cal kind of talked about if there's a team that's going to um, really struggle not having fans, it's going to be Kentucky. And I do think that had a big factor today. What they say? Maybe 3,000 people in Rupp Arena today. A lot different than 20,000. The noise is nowhere near. Teams feed off of that. Um, so that's a big one for me, um, just the confidence level with this team. The thing about this game specifically, Richmond was out-rebounded by 24 and still won this game, I don't want to say with ease, but they were pulling away. And I don't think that's something I've really ever seen a team get out-rebounded by so much, but still – just be dominant within the game. So, looking at this box score, I hope a lot of people actually watch this game because looking at the box score, I'm like, minus Kentucky going 0 for 10, everything kind of favors the Wildcats here. So, a very weird box score, but trajectory for this season, it's still win the A10 or bust, in my opinion. So, that's what I've got from here.
2: Yeah, it is a weird box score because you look at it, right? 54 to 31 Kentucky in rebounding. So you'd think they did pretty well in the paint. But Richmond outscored Kentucky in the paint, 42 to 38. Richmond shoots 29 of 67 from the field, 7 of 25 from three-point land, and puts up 76 points. So this was all over the place. Uh, uh, Nick, Nick, what are we thinking? What are our takeaways after uh, after this big one?
1: Yeah, I think the, for me the biggest takeaway is just the poise the guy showed on the road, um, able to bounce back from a tough first half. Um, especially considering that Blake and uh, Jacob didn't really get it going um, until the second half. And, you know, the fact that we were able to win on the road and Gilly didn't even shoot as well as he could, and he's capable of, is big. I think the guys fought through a lot of adversity. Like you said, the rebounding stat is a crazy stat, but um, there are going to be games like that this year. There are other teams that come to mind, like West Virginia and St. Louis, that are probably going to out-rebound us. I think it's just about getting the tough ones and taking advantage of your opportunity. So, again, to show that kind of toughness, I think similar to what Austin said, I don't think that anything about our goals change. I still think that, you know, the plan is to win the A-10 regular season and tournament if there is one. So, I think the guys just got to keep the focus and don't let this be the best moment of the season.
2: Vinny, where does Kentucky go from here?
0: I think Tony and I talk about it a lot. You know, you talk about teams, guys know their roles. I think the roles would become more defined for Kentucky. Uh, Does Brandon Boston shoot a third of the shots? Every game going forward, Kentucky shoots 61 shots. He takes 20. They'll get that more kind of lined out. They'll figure out who the go-to guys are. Uh, they'll get the rotation ironed out. All that stuff that we kind of see on a yearly basis with these young teams, you know, and and former players like Tony said a lot to the fan base because Kentucky's fan base, the expectations are always on 11. So, check on us in March, check us on, you know, championships aren't won in December and November, everybody slow down and see where we are come tournament time. So I think the roles will get more defined, uh, the offense will get more efficient and and that'll kind of be what we see going forward.
3: Yeah, I think when you get these teams, um, you know, both teams three more months, you know, Richmond is going to be solid, you know, they definitely be at the top of the A-10. Uh, Kentucky will be probably, by February you know they'll be right there with Tennessee you know they just have to get some more games on their belt get a little bit more season and figure out who is going to be the point guard who will be the decision maker and then those guys once they start getting these offensive rebounds because once you get those offensive rebounds then you got to take your time and try to finish through contact but once once we said early with Nick you know we talked about it was that it's different when you get rebounds you got to go with high school guys you can power through those guys you know what I'm saying but it's a little bit more difficult when you got to try to go through a grown man. You know, yeah, you get an offensive rebound, but I'm just not going to let you go up and dunk on me. You know, I'm going to use some resistance. Uh, You know, I'm going to take the right angle. I'm going to challenge your shots, And those are things that young players haven't experienced yet at that next level. So you'll see them get better. You know, they're using length and athleticism. But what's going to be a key factor for them, like I said, today was uh, Richmond was a plus 21 from the three-point line is that they have to be able to make threes. If they're able to make threes and find two or three guys who consistently can knock down some shots from the outside, you're going to see the lanes open up more. But if they're not making shots, it's going to shrink the court. And you're probably going to see more zones and people are going to force them to make some shots from outside. So it's going to be interesting in these next two or three months uh, who will be that outside shooter uh, to lead Kentucky, you know, into a, a tough conference.
2: So I, I think, you know, to, to finish up here, I think for Richmond, you know, I think they learned a lot about themselves today in the sense that, A, you know, there are a lot of uh, the questions mainly coming in for the season where everyone knew Richmond can put up points. No one worried about that. Certainly after Friday night, I didn't worry about that. But the biggest thing was they led G-10 in defensive efficiency last year per Ken Palm. And a lot of people came in and said, are they going to do it again? You know, what does this defense look like, especially when you're, St. Louis is, is gunning for that top spot as well. That's a team that really worked to you. And I think they learned a lot about themselves defensively, especially after Friday night where they played really poorly and shaky defensively in the first half. Then they really come in and clean it up, and you really see them for 40 full minutes today play phenomenal physical defense against an incredibly talented Kentucky team. So I think the biggest thing you learned from that is obviously – Richmond has shown they can win big games against good teams when they're not shooting the ball well. And they've also learned, too, that they can actually put up points when they're not shooting the ball well. They can, you know, if they're not getting the threes, they can find other ways to score. I think at the same time, it is interesting, right? This is a Richmond team where there's a lot of knowns, um, but there are a couple unknowns. We still haven't seen Connor Crabtree come in yet. So I think if you're Richmond, your biggest question mark now is, you know, we've seen what, what Andre's role was. We saw, you know, Isaiah Wilson is, is getting, you know, five to ten minutes a game. Doesn't seem like Jai is going to be that big of a factor, at least early on. Andre Weir didn't, you know, dress for the first couple games. So it doesn't sound like those two guys are going to have a big role. So wait and see. Going to see what Connor Crabtree's role. But a lot of positive takeaways, a lot of good things to, to work with going forward. So big Spider win. Monday, Spider fans, look out. You're probably going to see your guys in the top 25 for the first time in a decade. So take a moment. Take a rest before Wednesday. Enjoy it. Soak it in. And we'll see you all next week. Tony, Vinny, thank you so much for powering through my terrible connection <laughs> I at Regency. If you guys are listening, get your shit together. This is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> appreciate it, y'all. This was
3: awesome. No problem, man. We enjoyed it. Okay. Take care. Okay. Take care, guys. Have a good
0: one.